Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by Pastor of Innovation, Carrie Lattisur, as we continue the series, Why Church? Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. If I were to ask you to name the greatest rock band of all time, what would you say? There are many arguable nominees, but a lot of people would say the Beatles are the greatest rock band of all time. It's why authentic Beatles memorabilia can be extremely valuable. In fact, it can be so valuable that even reproductions of their memorabilia can be worth a small fortune. For example, Beatle guitarist George Harrison once said that the first really good, decent guitar he owned was the Gretsch Duo Jet, which he originally bought for about $200. That original guitar sold at auction a few years back for over a half a million dollars. Maybe that's not surprising. However, in early 2011, Gretsch Guitars announced that the company would manufacture a limited run of 60 exact replicas of George Harrison's duo jet guitar as a tribute model. Not only did they copy the exact specifications of the guitar, but they even added in all the nicks and dings George's guitar accumulated during a half century of use. Any guesses as to how much these replica guitars sold for? The retail price for the Tribute Duo Jet was $20,000. 20 grand for a guitar George Harrison has never even touched. I know this is crazy, but the reason this guitar is so valuable is because it replicates the original so closely. The replica of something of little value has little value, but the replica of something of great value can have great value. And today, I want us to understand that our value as human beings can be measured in a similar way. Each of us has infinite value because we have been precisely, beautifully crafted in the image of an infinitely valuable God. But before we get into that, let me catch you up to speed on where we are in this series. We're in week two of our series, Why Church? Many people today are asking, why do we need the church? And frankly, it is an understandable question. In an age when we've heard so many stories of hypocrisy, abuse, partisan alliances, and moral failures— I can understand why some people no longer respect the church or don't see it as even relevant. Some even resent the church and view it as harmful. It's not really surprising that many people, including Christians, are asking the question, why do we need the church? Well, it probably also won't come as a surprise that we at Community are passionately committed to the church. We believe that Jesus is the hope of the entire world, and Jesus chooses to bring that hope to the world through us, through the church. But we still want to wrestle honestly with this question, why church? And I think the best place to start is to try to understand why God created the church. After all, Jesus, the one who established the church, gives us insight to that the church belongs to him. 
And our hope is that as we understand His reasons for creating the church, it might help us rethink what it means to be the church and help us become the church Jesus always intended for us to be. As we talked about last week, the church is a community of people on mission together where Jesus is King. So today, to begin to answer the question, why church, we have to talk about the people. We have to talk about you. Yes, you. God created you and me as intimate replicas of God's self in the world. The very first time I reflected on this idea, it took some time for me to actually take it in. The God of the universe endows human beings with their very own image. The writer of Genesis puts it this way. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. When God created people, God made us to bear God's image and put us in charge of all creation. God wants us to be God's representatives, ambassadors, replicas of God to this whole world. God made us to steward the earth and to be the very embodiment of God's presence within it. If you think about that, that's why later on it would only make sense that if God were to enter the world in a physical way, God would come as a human being. The Old Testament scholar John Goldingay puts it this way, Human beings are the kind of entity God would be if God were earthly. God could hardly have become a horse. Horses were not made in God's image. Human beings were made God-like. So it was not so unnatural for God to become a human being. For us to really grasp the significance of what being made in God's image means, it might be helpful to understand the history of the ancient Near East a bit. See, in the, in the ancient world, an image was believed to carry the essence of that which it represented. For example, that's why an idol made in the image of a deity would be used in the worship of that deity. This didn't mean that the image could do what the deity could do, nor that it looked exactly the same as the deity. Rather, the deity's work was thought to be accomplished through the idol. This idea, that of an image representing a being, extended to how ancient kings would establish their presence within a colony or a city that was under their rule. These kings would actually set up statues that bore their image all around town to represent their rule in that place. When God says, let us make human beings in our image so they can reign over creation, God is doing a similar thing. 
Biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann says it like this, It is now generally agreed that the image of God reflected in human persons is after the manner of a king who establishes statues of himself to assert his sovereign rule where the king himself cannot be present. Sometimes these statues would be tiny, and sometimes they would be so large, but the king set them up so that people would always be reminded of who was ruling that particular place. Brueggemann goes on to say this about human beings. The human creature attests to the godness of God by exercising freedom with and authority over all the other creatures entrusted to its care. The image of God in the human person is a mandate of power and responsibility. God created human beings in God's image and put us in charge of all creation. I am not so sure we understand what this really means. It's difficult to grasp the fullness of what this means. Maybe one way to think about this is this. Could you imagine if today you were appointed the role of President of the United States? I'm sort of joking, sort of serious here, but what if someone walked in here and said to you right here, right now, that you had a new role to play? You were charged with all the power and authority and responsibility to be the primary ruler of our nation. You need to make decisions that will impact millions of people and the environment, as well as the systems and structures of our nation, and you are the one charged with making them. That'd be pretty overwhelming, right? If you tried to do it all on your own, you would be nuts. If we bring this back to Genesis 1, we'll see that God actually has called you to reign over creation. God made you in God's own image, and God gave you responsibility to steward the earth. But just as it would be crazy to try to govern this country on your own, it would be even crazier to try to imagine God in this world on your own. The good news here is that you don't have to. For here is an important reality we find in Genesis 1, being made in God's image means we've been created for community. God is a community within God's self, Father, Son, and Spirit. Notice in this Genesis passage that God says, let us make human beings in our image. God is a community of persons. This is the mystery known as the Trinity, one God and three persons. The early church leaders described the Trinity using the word perichoresis, peri, which means circle, and choresis, which means to dance. Literally, they described the Trinity as an eternal dance of love between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And in this dance, each member enjoys and praises the others. It's a dance where each one loves the others and is focused on the others. God is a community of oneness and love. And so, to image God in this world takes a community. 
No one person can fully image a triune God. God is imaged in a community of human beings, male and female. We were created to image God together. Again, from Walter Brueggemann, humankind is a community, male and female, and none is the full image of God alone. Only in community of humankind is God reflected. God is, according to this bold affirmation, not mirrored as an individual, but as a community. It takes a community to image God in the world. And that is one of the reasons why God established the church. We see this in one of the primary images for the church in the New Testament. It's the image of the church as a body with Christ as its head. Remember, the church is a community of people on mission together where Jesus is king. Through this imagery of a body, the Apostle Paul paints a picture for us of how the church is to image God together. In fact, let's take a little time to see how he develops this imagery in 1 Corinthians 12. There, the Apostle Paul writes, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slave, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. It's as if Paul is saying, look around the room. Look at how different we are from one another. We have different ethnicities, different social statuses, different life experiences. But in the church, God has brought us all together as one unified whole. He goes on to say, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? What Paul is saying here is that no matter what role in the church community you play, it is a very important role. The body would not be complete without you. The church community can't function at its fullest without you. And why? Because God has put each part where he wants it. You are who you are and are where you are because God has placed you there. He said, in order for this church community to image me in this world, I need Eric to play this role in the body and Michelle to play that role in the body and so on. Paul continues, how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Take a look around your room right where you are or, or think about those in your community. 
every person you see, whether you realize it or not, you need them and they need you. Every person in this community plays a critical role in us being a church that images God in the world. Therefore, Paul closes this section of 1 Corinthians with this clear reminder. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. We were created to image God in this world, and none of us can do that on our own. It takes a community to image God in the world. And that is one of the reasons why God established the church. The church is intended to be the body of Christ. The church is a community of people on mission together to image God to this world. And Jesus is our head. Jesus is our king. So here's the challenge before each one of us. If we know that in order to fully reflect God to a watching world, it takes all of us collectively bearing God's image, are we each playing our part? Are we participating with the church, with the body, to image God together to the watching world? For a body to function properly, it takes each body part and each system of the body working together, not just working to play its unique and specific part, but also each part and system working together for the health and function of the body as a whole. Family, can you ask yourself, can we ask ourselves, are we each fully engaged in playing our role in the body? We are incomplete without you. We need what you were designed to bring to this body. And part of the journey for each of us as Christ followers is to grow into a fully functioning member of the body. And that is why we are constantly challenging one another around here to take next steps and three connections at community. We believe these connections help us live out our purpose as the church. The you plus God connection helps you grow in your relationship to the head of our body with Jesus. The you plus the church connection helps us grow in our relationships to one another, the other members of this body. And the U plus world connection helps us together live out our purpose of imaging God in this world. Being part of the body, being part of the church is critical to your journey of following Jesus. In order for you to fully image God in this world, you need the church and the church needs you. It will take all of us together. Is there a next step you need to take to more fully live into your role in the body. Family, we are not a perfect church, but we are part of the body of Christ. Author Earl Palmer talks about the church like a bad orchestra. He said he once countered critics who railed against the church for its hypocritical, scandalous, and often irrelevant footprint in the culture with this illustration. Palmer writes, when the high school orchestra attempts Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, the result is appalling. 
I wouldn't be surprised if the performance made old Lugwood roll over in his grave despite his deafness. You might ask, why bother? Why inflict on those poor kids the terrible burden of trying to render what the immortal Beethoven had in mind? Not even the great Chicago Symphony Orchestra can attain that perfection. My answer, he says, is this. The high school orchestra will give some people in that audience their only encounter with Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Far from perfection, it is nevertheless the only way they will hear Beethoven's message. Palmer is pointing out that the only way a starving, thirsty, deluded, suffering world will ever hear the music of the gospel is through the very body of Christ. Arguably the worst high school orchestra ever to appear on stage. (laughs) If performance standards are really the most important measure, then the church is in serious trouble. But God is determined to trade the perfection of his solo performance for the possibility of playing a little improvisational jazz with us, the screechy saxophone players in the kingdom of God's ragtag big band. If we all do this together, each of us bringing our unique and distinct image of God to the community of God, just imagine what could happen. There is no expectation that we would do this perfectly. We are imperfect, but we are how God chooses to image God's self in the world. We are incomplete without you, without one another, without each of us playing our part to contribute. If we do choose to accept the invitation to bring God's image to bear in this community, we could become the most loving, compassionate, winsome group of people on mission to reach people who are far from God and restore God's dream for the world. People could literally taste heaven on earth when they interact with us. They would experience the goodness of God through us right here. God put God's unique imprint in you and on you. God charged us with power and authority to care for all creation. God charged us together to bear the fullness of God's image to the watching world. Why church? Because God created the church to image God's self to the watching world. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take a next step in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.